0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the CG Garage. This is episode number 425, featuring Adam Martin, who is one of the co-founders of Macroverse, a fascinating company that I'm gonna get to momentarily. But first, we should know that uh, Adam has actually had a long career in Hollywood, He's been an assistant director for over 25 years. In fact, one of the shows he did is Barry, a show that I really love on HBO. <laughs> Definitely watch Barry. You know that it's a really great show because I talk about it constantly. Uh, but also, uh, he's done some really other interesting things. He was looking for ways of expanding his creative input uh, and, and creative writing and and contribution to, to, to storytelling in a lot of ways and um, started to expand into the comic book world and started realizing the comic book also had a little bit of a barrier to entry in the way that t- they were uh, being published. Uh, and so he decided to start Macroverse with uh, several of his friends, and it's really a means of creating a, a digital comic book experience that's really pretty cool, uh, more than, let's say, an, uh, a PDF on an iPad, as he describes it. Uh, but as that actually started to succeed, uh, as you know, starting around 2020, he started to look at the opportunity. Opportunities that uh, uh, NFTs had to offer and started to put, integrate that as to part of the platform as well. And that sort of enables uh, people to be owning part of the the, the the comic book experience through NFTs, but also enables them to be part of the creative uh, input as well in storytelling. So it's really fascinating, really get into it. It gets pretty complicated, but uh, honestly speaking, Macroverse is a fantastic platform. I've actually been uh, checking it out myself. I've gone to, to their Discord, which I definitely recommend you do, and the link to the Discord will be in in our show notes. So go check those out. Uh, we also talk a little bit about a lot of other things like how AI is going to change the graphic desi- graphic novel world and, and what his thoughts are on that. So really, really cool and very interesting. Uh, and I highly recommend uh, checking out their stuff. In fact, he has even given me an incentive for you guys to do that. You can get one month for free uh, to check out their uh, uh, Macroverse, uh, which is available on iOS or Android. Uh, and it's basically use the promo code. Go to the following site to check it out. So go to Macroverse dot world slash free month, and that is uh, an exclusive uh, free month for our CG Garage listeners. So go check it out again. That is macroverse.world slash free month. All right. Uh, we don't have any announcements right now in terms of uh, Chaos uh, events or products right now. we were a little bit in a in a, in a silent spell. Uh, more will be coming up very shortly, and I'm very excited to uh, share that with you. Uh, but for now, if you want to know more about the podcast, you can just go to chaos.com. Slash CG Garage. You can always follow us on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash CG Garage Podcast. Uh, And if you'd like to watch this podcast, which I also highly recommend, you can go to our YouTube channel, and that is youtube.com slash chaos group TV. Uh, We actually got this uh, podcast again as a suggestion. We've been getting more and more of them, and I really love them. So keep them coming. If you'd like to have any suggestions on podcasts, just go to uh, email us, labs at chaos.com. But for now, please enjoy episode number 425 with Adam Martin. Welcome to another CG garage
1: where the chaos group talks. You'll know it's over when the last bucket drops. We're gonna fire off rays in range high dynamic DL. range. We know that ambient occlusion is passe. Global illumination won't lead you astray. And while image-based lighting is really swell, you need to make sure everything has
0: for now. I've been following, uh, you know, with great interest. I did a lot of big series of NFT stuff last year uh, out of seeing what's going on. And the idea of the promise of a Web3 studio uh, Mm. existing was always very intriguing. Uh, and i definitely want to get to that but yes. you have a history <laughs> you have a history in the film industry for much longer before web3 so tell us a little bit about your history what's your background
1: oh well yeah no well hey thank you so much for having me here it's it's exciting and it's, i was uh well, it was obviously given the kind of uh, lots of visual effects people that that listen that listen to your show and all those things it's uh right it was exciting to get to talk about all that stuff it's so yeah i um I've been in. I've been an assistant director, a first assistant director for golly twenty five years or something now. Yeah. Um, so obviously you know directors guild, all that, all that fun stuff. Uh, started as a PA, uh, got a job as, on a terrible little film uh, twenty five years ago as a director's assistant, and uh, okay, uh, and but just loved it. I had got a physics degree of all ridiculous things, and was like, <laughs> you know, my brother was uh, older than me, and as a is a producer and a writer himself, and so he had. He, when I graduated, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And he said, uh, well, come on out to LA, it's fun. So I did. And, (laughs) uh, you know, met, hooked up on this terrible movie, um, but got along with the first AD really well. And he was John Frankenheimer's first assistant director. Oh, Uh, wow. And they were gearing up for this movie called George Wallace, um, off for TNT twenty. golly 26 years ago now uh, if i'm thinking okay. back um and so we you know kind of figured it out and i came back and started that show as a pa and and oh sorry met my wife on that show and we got married hooked up with a rap party got married 3 months later and it's been it's been in la since then basically kind of working my way up the up the film industry
0: yeah that's amazing. I've, you know, as a visual effects person, I know that the f- most important person I need to become friends with on set is the <laughs> first AD because <laughs> I ain't going to get anything done if it doesn't get approved by that person. And uh, you are a timekeeper of how much time things happen on set because. Gotta go, go, go. Oh, we got we always gotta go. And yet yeah, always try and, and
1: make sure people have time to do what they need to do, you know? It's I know, like, so I just make sure I'm really catch, good right? friends
0: with you before doing
1: <laughs> <laughs> I It's funny, because I did the original, I was the second second AD on the original Transformers back in the day, 20, what, oh, 16 wow. years ago now? And mm-hmm. that was, I feel like, when I really learnt what it took to produce visual effects at that scale. You know, I'd done smaller shows before then, I'd done some stuff, but nothing like that um yeah and scott Ferrar, i believe was the was the kind of onset coordinator there and and uh-huh. just working very close as the second second on those shows you know you kind of end up working very closely with everyone and it was it was a huge amazing experience on many levels but a huge education in, in visual effects
0: yeah I, I i bet i bet uh well okay that's wonderful so so you you've done some amazing shows so obviously you mentioned transformers where are some of the other uh, great features that you would worked on so
1: just recently, very few features actually. have been on TV recently, but so my last show was Barry. I did Barry season three.
0: I love Barry. Um, it's one I, of my favorites. It's I, completely. It's, it's just best. incredible.
1: No, it was mm-hmm. one of those things that was purely luck. I actually move, I live in Panama now. I moved to Panama kind of mid-pandemic. Um, wow. So I come to and for work and, you know, there were uh, kind of concatenation of events that led to this, this move. But so I got a call. I was, you know, at my house here in Panama and uh, got a call from one of the producers on Barry saying, it's a, you know, a year and a half or so ago now, saying, uh, mm-hmm. we're meant to start filming next week. One of our first ADs just fell out. We need someone to step in. Can you can you come? And I mm-hmm. met, uh, it was Alec Berg who was gonna be my director. I was gonna do three episodes with Alec and then Bill Hayden wow. was directing the other five for season three. And mm-hmm. i you know, Alec, I, uh, Silicon Valley is one of my favorite shows of all time. So yep. it was one of those wonderful moments of interviewing via Zoom and just being like, at the end of the interview saying, look, I don't mean to come across as obsequious, but I'm just a huge fan of yours. And I, whatever happens with Barry, I appreciate meeting you. And, and he is just one of the sharpest, funniest people that I met. I mean, he was just an incredible person. Uh, and the show Absolutely. was amazing, as was Bill, as was top yeah. to bottom on that. That production was just, just incredible.
0: Yeah, I think it's a it's a it is a it is a fantastic series, and I've absolutely adored it. So, what I found out that you worked on Barry, and I was like, oh my god, oh my god! <laughs> and I don't want to go down the rabbit hole of, of what that show is, but I highly recommend season four. Is just, all the reviews are starting to come in for season four now? So excited about that. Okay, so Barry was the 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 uh, obviously something really wonderful that you worked on. What sort of where where did the where did Macroverse sort of start to? F- f- Become a permeate. reality for you.
1: Yeah. Yes. Permeate. Yeah. Seep yeah. in seep into the atmosphere. Yeah. You know, I for me, it was um, I mean, going back years now. So my my like I said, my brother was a writer, my stepfather was a writer, and my mom was a film critic, which is kind of one. Of, so my dad my dad was a diplomat, so not you know, so we traveled around a bunch, but but kind of I think you know, literacy, literature and entertainment and movies were always kind of part of just my upbringing. Um mm-hmm. And, but I never thought about it as a, I always thought, oh, you're a writer and a director, but I never thought about the kind of other stuff that happens. And so it was this, this revelation for me when I realized, oh my goodness, there's another, you know, 200 people working on these things, 400 people, whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. But so I think like many people, I moved to LA with creative aspirations. I was like, great, I want to, I want to come here. I want to start working. I love being on set, but what I want to be doing is kind of writing and producing and kind of work my way up that to, to directing, work up that ladder. Right. And of course, what you know, you realize you get settled in LA and you start working, and then you start climbing the, the the assistant directing thing, and then you have a family and you have a house. It's like, oh wait, the time that I was putting into doing these other things, I'm now having to keep working and there's their family, which is more important. So I found myself, you know, I think like many people you arrive and then you kind of feel yourself veering from the course you thought you were into this other thing and love assistant directing and just like, you know, the chance to work with a lot of incredibly talented people. And there was always that kind of creative itch there um, for me. And so... I met my other partner, my business partner, uh, Evan Matthews, who has an illustration background, had his own kind of, you know, branding and design agency. And we mm-hmm. met and started kind of got, became friends. And then we realized we had the same place in movies. So we started writing together and we, you were know, lucky enough to get a couple of scripts optioned and, and, you know, kind of do some of that, that LA thing and then realize that, that. A, the script we had got torpedoed because another project came along that was much bigger than ours and, and kind of sucked all the wind out of that, that part sure. of the business. And we also realized, you know, watching my brother as a screenwriter, just time and again, successful, doing very well, but, but you know, would sell a script and then it would sit on the shelf and he'd sell another script and it would sit on the shelf. And look, amazing that he's selling those scripts, but just there wasn't, and we're talking to him and there wasn't that sense of creative satisfaction about seeing this kind of thing that you had created really come to life. And as we were starting to kind of wrestle with that, my partner produced, um, you know, the film, The Boondock Saints? Remember that movie? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, uh, Sean Patrick Flannery, pre-Walking mm-hmm. Dead, Norman Reedus, great little mm-hmm. edgy Bostonian thriller, right? The Action thriller. Right. Um, huge cult hit. Um, my partner pitched and produced then a comic bridging the two movies. So we produced like the comics, the comic series for the Boondock Saints. And mm-hmm. it was A, incredibly fun getting to do that. And we did the convention circus together and we got the thing. But it was also this incredibly just a frustrating process going through the kind of traditional print publishing thing and getting to the publishers and doing the books and getting in the blah, blah, blah. But it gave us... Both that that itch, again, having grown up with comics, it gave us both that itch and that realization that hang on, we've got we've got these scripts that we've written, we've got these ideas kicking around. What if we actually don't just try and sell them and join that litany of people trying to do that in Hollywood? Why don't we produce them as comics? We know we can do something interesting here. Let's let's start doing that. And then but again, having had the experience with Boondock Saints, it was, well we don't want to go the traditional route because that's a pain in the neck. Even with an established brand, that was a pain in the neck. And everything's moving digital anyway. So what if there's something that would feel native on on, on kind of for, for mobile users basically for film native on a mobile phone that wouldn't just be kind of a pdf on an ipad like that's just kind of a crappy right. reading experience and so we took one of these ideas that we had we had had called dead town as a film noir zombie project and mm-hmm. we had met an artist and doing uh animation doing like motion comics on a, on a for an agency job that we had and uh we said to him you know how do you feel about drawing zombies he goes yes that'll be amazing so we started creating this thing and we developed this tap story concept which brings this kind of cinematic feel to comics on the phone um Mm -hmm. so you tap one side the story progresses forward you tap the other side it goes back but what that allowed us to do was create dialogue in a meaningful way through this experience because you're not constrained by the parameters in the page it allows us to tell slightly richer stories and richer characters and i mean not to say anything against the printed page of course but developing that app for that series with this artist we were we suddenly felt like wait we've cracked this feels great and if we like it chances are other people will like it too and so we started going after a lot of other independent creators um, but it really did stem from well I kind of don't, I kind of want to see what what we create up on the shelf up up, up out in the world you know not just sitting on a shelf
0: sure yeah well, that's very interesting. Uh, but you know, tell us a little bit more about you know. Obviously, there's a there's a problem with Hollywood. You seem to identify a problem with Hollywood. What do you think the problem with Hollywood is right now? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think it's it's I think it's the problem that a lot of creative media comes into. I think you've got increasing consolidation. Um, and then a kind, I mean, I think you have an HBO that knows exactly what they wanna do. And even, you know, I think there's some problems, there's some pressure there, obviously, given what the, what we've seen happening with the shows disappearing from that. Um, and then I think you've got these other kind of big players like Amazon and Apple coming into the space who uh, I think don't always have a clear idea about what the kind of shows they wanna be producing. It's like, you know, you used to know, right, I'm gonna go on ABC, here's an ABC drama, here's an ABC comedy, here's an NBC version of this. Whereas I feel like it's got a little more amorphous, um, and fundamentally, there are I think for for people trying to break in and be creative, on the one hand you've got actually more opportunities to do that than ever. You can if you can be creative, you've got I mean between YouTube and TikTok and so there's an incredible amount of 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 great creative coming out, but it's still this incredibly narrow pipeline to get anything actually kind of made at a significant level. Um, Mm -hmm. and so finding ways to get creators part of what part of what drives is finding ways to kind of give creators exposure in a broader realm and a potentially a global realm digitally really without the without the gatekeepers in the same way um but using that then as a hopefully as a conduit into more traditional film and tv kind of expansion uh I think that's that's what we're trying to do. And I think that circumvents some of the issues that, that one sees in traditional Hollywood. And then I think the advent of blockchain technology and smart contracts and things like that, again, right now, I think it's about ownership and about provable ownership. Um, but I do think there's also, you know, Hollywood accounting is famously... Uh, Opaque, shall we say? Um, <laughs> yep. So, you know, I think if you could be doing things like that on a smart contract level, where it really is great, right, this money is coming in, it's automatically divided up, and here's what happens, and here's how it goes, and it's completely transparent. Everyone can see those numbers. Um, I don't think you're ever going to get kind of total transparency, but I think it can go blockchain tech as a, as a as an option. I think can move us in the right direction.
0: Okay, so what what would you say? Uh, what, what is your business model? How does, how does, how does your, how does Macroverse work, you know, as, as a company globally, (laughs) financially?
1: So we have a couple of different things, basically. Um, we have a straight up subscription app for comics. So it's downloadable. It's up on the app stores now. Um, and that's one route. So it's a flat monthly fee, $4.99. Come in, read everything you want. It's all, you know, this tap story format, um, lots of content ranging from kind of horror to, to whatever, um. So that's the kind of you know, basic you know, distri- distribution model. And then what we think of are things of, we think of uh, people coming in really kind of falling on a, on a, on a, on a spectrum of, of engagement. So I think there is just the fan at the one end who wants to come in and you have your Netflix subscription, you have your HBO, whatever, you just wanna come and enjoy content and then mm-hmm. as you go up across that kind of participation spectrum you get into more people you know the kind of great now you're a super fan of this show so now you're really engaged by this thing so maybe you want more more exposure to the to the to the creators you want uh, specific collectibles experiences those kinds of things all the way up to on the other end great i want to actually be a, i want to be creative i want to this. I want to be working in this space myself. And so Mm -hmm. what we have is the kind of subscription app at the one end, which is downloadable, super simple. And then we are producing these series now, kind of stacking up these series of releases for NFT editions of these comics. So special editions designed again for experience on the web or on the iPad, Uh, unique collectible traits, different tiers of value, different, different, you you know, buy a comic and it's the kind of black and white version versus the color, or it's the different, it's the foil thing, or it's the behind the scenes content, or it's all this stuff that we mm-hmm. can kind of build into this digital collectible package. And so we'll be releasing our first slate of those at the end of April. Um, and then, you know, we've got- another, As NFTs. As NFTs. We've got another stack okay. kind of coming behind. So we'll have these kind of two, you know, there's the kind of super collectible limited edition ones, and then there's the broadly available. Anyone can go see them uh on right. both ends you know
0: so so membership like so the membership itself like if you just get the app and you pay 489 that's not through an nft that's just that's not through up. an nft straight right.
1: standard web you know apple store google you know android store thing yeah right
0: okay yeah okay so um, that's interesting now are you guys mostly focused on on a comic experience right now <laughs> Or are you thinking of expanding?
1: We are. So right now we are focused on comics um, simply because, A, we love the medium, but also it's a very, it's a kind of easy access and easy, it's an easy way into media because as we do with every comic that we create or we help to have created or adapt or whatever it might be, works in multiple formats. So we create in such a way that it'll work for the mobile phone. It'll work for a tablet. It'll work for web. It'll work for print. Um, and then we can take it on up where. and then the other thing that Evan and I have is a lot of experience in audio dramas as well so podcasts you know fictional podcasts so okay. that would be the next step we'll be doing audio series based on the comics we've also been experimenting with this kind of hybrid animation style which is really it's very you know it's it's the comic panels but we're adding narration and sound effects over the top of those to gotcha. create this kind of middle ground
0: and okay. then maybe a little <laughs> parallax <laughs> ex-
1: ex- oops sorry I'm it's gesticulating okay. with this thing on my face yeah, uh, yeah exactly so it's you know yep. and that's you know so we have a we've done a lot of animation as well well um we've done we did the last we directed the last uh, uh there was a creep show halloween special that came out kind of mid-pandemic in you know 2020 um and then we've done a lot of stuff before that so exactly like we're approaching things so that we can then adapt them for animation as well um yeah
0: right 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 so it's interesting you know i mean there, there's there's uh, what you've uh, presented is is somewhat novel, but I've actually heard a lot of people saying that they've got these ideas of creating uh, Web three studios, and it seems to be it seems to be very uh, popular in some ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, since the you know the, our current uh, crypto winter, it's been a little bit quieter uh, in terms of that that process. But there was sort of this this dream. I went to NFTLA uh, uh, last year. Yeah. And they were, you know, it was like, get rid of the middleman, right? Get rid of the middleman was this, the, the, the the process that was sort of explained. And, you know, get money directly from the fans, and they own part of it. And therefore, yes. it's it's like, instead of one guy getting all the money and giving a little bit here and there, it's yep. everyone gets all the money. Yes, <laughs> right, right. Is so that sort of the idea there. that you have for yourself and uh, in terms of what you guys are going to do?
1: Yes. Uh, we, you know, we obviously... We've got to be, especially given what's happening um, post FTX and the blow ups that have been happening. It's like discussing NFTs as securities or as investment vehicles is very, you know, it's it's. we would not claim that. What we do do, though, is work when people, especially with, with images and things, you know, PFP projects that we've been involved with, comic series that we've kind of had and, and created around these things. We have licensed characters that people own back from them. So it's simply you know you retain this and then we pay you a percentage because of the license we will be then building this into the smart contract that as your things sell as anything associated with your character sells you are then automatically given a piece of that back so absolutely that's Interesting. a big part of what we're doing and it's been it's been very exciting in some of these communities dealing with people who are not who have you know, aspirational storytellers, but have never actually done it before and coming in and teaching some storytelling and then working in these communities to, to develop these things out and to get to, you know, take ideas from a, a paragraph in a Discord channel to, great, now here's kind of an eight or a 10 page or a 12 page printed edition of your material, has right. been exciting, incredibly exciting for people, um, as you might imagine. Um, Yeah. So
0: let's, 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 let's explore that. Let's say, let's say I'm a, I'm a person who has a story that wants to be told and I've had that story for a long time and I've, you know, I've written part of it and I've, I've hashed around through it. Uh, I maybe even had gone to the, to studios and, uh, you know, done the water bottle tour of Los Angeles (laughs) and, and, and still didn't manage to, to, to necessarily sell the project. Mm -hmm. But I still feel that there's an interest in this. Everyone tells me it's a great story. Yeah. Let's pretend that's a fictional story. But yes. We'll keep cuz <laughs> no one in Hollywood
1: does that, right? Not, no, no one in Hollywood does that. Right. So
0: so tell <laughs> me so your your platform comes along, right? Yeah. How do how does like where what how do I go to you and how are you different than me having to present this to like an agent or someone Or, or an agent, agent or those things. Yeah. Yeah, so
1: what two different things for us. One is the we are connecting, constantly connecting people within our community with, with artists and, and writers. So we are those connections are kind of happening organically. Mm-hmm. Um, there is, within the community right now at least, there is a kind of pitching process. And so it depends on where ideas come from and where they fall, but it is, okay, great. There are these people who have these 20 different ideas that have come in, community, let's go and vote. Who? Which four of these should we... Take up and 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 produce, as it were, even as a short okay. or whatever. Well, great. Then the community will come. They'll vote. The, they'll vote for this, and then we'll we'll greenlight a handful of those into production. Um, Is that kind of like a DAO? Um, it's similar structure to that. We haven't gone full DAO yet, so we do still we do ultimately still control it, but we okay. do give over certain production elements, so, so you know, choices like this to to the community itself. Right. Um And then we are, this is not in the first stage of the of the, the platform that we're building, but mm-hmm. the next iteration of it will have its own just open marketplace so that again, anyone who wants to come and publish and do this thing on the blockchain and prove them prove their own you know prove their ownership of this idea that they can great, that can just happen automatically. They can do this, take advantage of this tap story system that we've set up, automatic distribution on the app. Come in, sell it as NFTs, fund your own thing, and kind of go from there. So that's okay. the you know we are right now. Yes, we're still a little more traditional because we are we are still kind of filtering stuff as it's coming in. But we're mm-hmm. moving rapidly towards you know open open borders, open system, and then as people get excited, as good stories come in, well, great. Those can get pushed at the top, kind of constantly for for distribution for sale for everything else. And we've got relationships like many people do, but it's, you know, we've got relationships with agents and managers and those kinds of people. So it's like, great. These ideas now are are gaining traction. You know, we can, if, if it's needed, we can assist with, with some of that kind of upsell and push as well.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, I do remember it was interesting. I had a, I saw an interview with John Waters ages and ages and ages ago, uh, and uh, someone, it was right when uh, when HD camcorders were coming out, and uh, and he said, and they were like, "It's it's kind of amazing that you know so at that time it was about a thousand dollars, which was really not that much money." Right. Uh, and So now you, you can anyone can do a, a movie with a camcorder. Yeah. What do you think about that? And he goes, "I think it's wonderful that anyone can do a movie, but not everyone should." Yeah. Right. <laughs> Right and so it was kind of interesting so if you start to to think about the 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 democratisation of creativity does that work
1: very good question and i think you know now what we have seen is a couple of different see so what we've seen is a few different kind of scales at this point um mm-hmm. so on a on a small individual short story basis, which is quite, you know, we've got kind of quite, what have we got, 15, 16, 20 of these now in, in a few different kind of worlds um, with communities that we've we've worked with. And we have kind of worked with the community to establish the guidelines of this world. And then I think this is where, it's a bit of a combination of both. So I think it's not the traditional, it's not the DAO structure, so it's not kind of totally open, you know, open borders. What sure. we have found works is, Working with a a group of fans of a project or a community or whatever, um, we can work with them and define, here's the world, here's what we're playing in, here's the backstory, here are the rules of this world. Because I think obviously storytelling needs to operate within kind of boundaries, you know, especially I think inherent in the nature of of comics it's often kind of a sci-fi or a fantastical or there's those elements to it. But so Mm -hmm. even in those realms, I like to have real set whoops. Set parameters. You um, tell us the assistant director and me. I just talk there. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's uh, and but having set those and having kind of discussed, great. There will be now this core story that's going to happen. So we have this idea, and we can even pull that. So we have an idea of the characters that are involved, who they are, where do they come from, have an idea of kind of long term where they're going. Great. We are now going to go and write that story. So we know what we're doing. We can write for comics. We can write for film and TV. But inside of this world that we've now created, you, anyone from the community can come and pitch stories into this world. And those can then be greenlit or not. Um, And so it's this combination of us taking control of the kind of core narrative of something with the community support while still kind of creating the space around it for people to tell short stories. And I think... You know, we've seen a huge we've seen a huge array of of material. We've seen a huge array of stuff. Some of it sorry, my dog's barking okay. downstairs. Um we've seen some really interesting, clever ideas that I would never have thought of, and some really imaginative stuff. And quite often it needs honing and it needs some refinement and you have to kind of pick in and well this doesn't quite work and narratively oh so we'll go in and fulfill the kind of editor function um in those situations Mm -hmm. um and then you get some ideas that are just not very good and that's fine too we're never discouraging with that stuff and sometimes you know we had certainly had people pitch three four five ideas and one of them was fantastic and that's the one that goes um but so i think to your point about not everyone should i think you can get away with it and, and again i think for me it, so much of it comes down to kind of scratching that creative itch you can do it on a short form basis and especially with comics when you are you have a talented artist involved and then you're producing it in this interesting way you can kind of create an experience around it that is still enjoyable even if the sometimes the story itself um could potentially be is not potentially as good as it otherwise as it would need to be to carry kind of a bigger story if that makes sense
0: Yeah, yeah. But it, I mean, it's at the same time, like you were saying, is that you kind of need some, some, some guardrails and some, some, something to make it work. But how is that, then how is that different than, than what people would do in terms of, um, you know, pitching this to a studio?
1: (laughs) Just pitching to a studio?
0: Yeah. To me, I think it's, you know, we've, we've done this now in two different communities.
1: Uh, No, sorry, three including our own. So meaning, you know, community meaning, In our case, we have this this show called Dead Town. We released a set of zombies. People could, you know, you pick up, you kind of create a zombie for yourself. You then pitch stories into this community about how your character ended up like this. Um, Another community called Bushidos, which were these kind of sci-fi samurai idea. Um, And when we started out working with Bushidos, they knew they wanted to tell stories. They didn't know how. The guys who started the product just didn't know how. Um, And so... And these were specific like NFT
0: groups? These were
1: a specific NFT collection. Exactly. Okay. Um, these little PFBs, you know, they were kind of like right. classic close-up right. thing. Very cool art. The artist, So be like, like,
0: uh, like, uh, a- like the Bored Apes Like the Bored
1: Apes so exactly. Right, exactly. And, but they would
0: make a, stories about their apes. So
1: they would make a stories about their person. Samurai. Their, their samurai in this case, right. having been taught, you know, we would we would go in, would take a few weeks of just like teaching storytelling, and then these guys would pitch. And we were teaching these storytelling and, and kind of pooling opinions from 40, 50, 60 people at a time. Um wow. and that is, I think, where the you need the showrunner, you need the person who's kind of able to be the manager to listen to the ideas, to pull the things. Well, great. These three ideas will work. These kind of are a little off the rails. Let's steer it this way. Let's so you're kind right. of navigating the ship through these potentially choppy waters, shall we say? Sure. Um, so that very. <laughs> everyone gets heard. It can be very choppy. Yes. Yeah. Um, everyone gets heard. Everyone has a chance to pitch in different ideas from different people will still flow to the surface and then but everyone has a chance to pitch and then during the the short pitching process it is not us making that decision at all it is the community as a whole so right. you know people would people would do everything from kind of a two line to a three page story pitch um gotcha. and we would comment online and everyone could see it and everything. and then it would be like great guys here's the voting page here's here's the voting day everyone everyone make sure you've upvoted the the right number. And then we announced the top six and and went into production from there. So it's certainly, I think it's not, there is still a level of kind of, of having to go through the pitching process for sure. But I think it doesn't in this case come down to, great, it's this one person that I've got to convince, you know. Right, two people I've got to convince. So a little right, more Russia. egalitarian doesn't solve every problem, but a little more, a little broader.
0: <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Well, it is interesting, and I think it's it's kind of a, a an interesting idea. Now, what about you know, you know, there's been actually a lot of uh, of talk about you know studios in the streaming sense that you know they created. Too much, right? <laughs> and they had to put on the brakes a little bit on certain oh, things. Oh, yes. Um, and and a part of it is, and I was reading an interesting article, someone was saying specifically that they feel that um, they were trying to look at the algorithm of what people are watching and just, they want more of this, so make more of that.
1: Yes, yes.
0: <laughs> and, and and then there was too much that. And then there was not, you know, and right. that's like one of the reasons that they said, you know, as you, as you mentioned before with HBO, I mean, they, they tend to sort of focus more on taste rather than algorithms. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, so with what you're doing, how, where, where are your gatekeepers? How does that, how are the people that sort of do that? Is that you guys specifically? Is that the thing that people are going to? We're going to go to them because we know they're going to give us the 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 gatekeeping that we need to get high quality content out of this, and therefore, my NFT is going to worth be worth more. <laughs> that's that's the thing, right? The halo effect
1: of that is is what I think we're looking for, and and I think you're 100 right. But I think Hollywood's done that exactly what you're talking about forever, right? It's it's right. You know, you get it's why you get three catastrophic event movies coming. You know. We, you, know, you get Armageddon and Deep Impact in the right. same year because they're here, or you get the pandemic movies or you get the whatever. Like, yep. I think you've they've always done those kind of wild swings. Um, mm-hmm. Always kind of wanted to see like a Ted Lasso, Walking Dead mashup. Like that would have been kind of sure. funny. It's like studios <laughs> desperate. Well, this is working and this is working. We stuff these things yep. together somehow, you know? Um, yeah. You know, I think it's two things. For us, it is, yes, we have a certain... We have a we have a, a high bar for quality, um, so everything that we have on the platform, everything we're looking at, everything we're developing, we are we are maintaining a very strict kind of caliber, especially from the art and obviously in the storytelling and all those things. Like where we want to be known as that kind of high level producer, um, and what we're seeing is you know I, that is now rubbing off, and we're seeing the effects of that. In other, as we talk to other projects and we're able to show people what we're doing, I think there is an understanding that this is it's good. Um, as far as you know, film and television goes, and as far let me re- sorry back up a second. As far sure. as what becomes a hit or doesn't become a hit, that I think is still amorphous, right? We never quite know. But what we do know is we look at what we've got up in the platform. We do look at analytics. We look at the numbers we see, but we aren't making decisions about what next series to pick up or what to do or what to extrapolate. Oh, sorry, what's a kind of green light based on what is working currently. It's like more for us, it's actually, well, we don't have enough YA content. We've got a couple of great series that we love in the YA genre. Mm-hmm. Let's, but we don't have, we need more. Great, let's go and find some more of those. We've got a couple of great horror series, but we don't have a comedy. Well, great, let's go. So I think it's more for us, it's the kind of counter-programming model in a funny way um, than trying to chase the numbers. And with this, especially with these kind of short stories that we're producing, that absolutely then kind of does come back to great. We can we can produce a lot of short stories quite quickly. As those take off, any one of those really pops. Well, great. That does then give us some indication that whatever is being set up here works. So now we can dig into this a little bit more. So it's not like a, it's, I mean, it's similar to kind of a pilot program, but it's a little more, it's, I think it's a little more streamlined than that. Um, And working, generally working within the confines of an existing world. Um, But we also, I grew up with 2000 AD. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's a British comic series and it's all these, you know, as opposed to kind of the American version of, you know, 22-page books all about the next door story or the next book whatever.
0: Right. 2000
1: AD was bigger format, five, six pages, five or six stories per thing. So you got this kind of lots of short-form stories that then went over multiple arcs. And so sure. we're gearing everything up much more like that. Um, where we can be producing these kind of anthology series and doing these short-form things and seeing what clicks. And then when... People bite and people get excited. Then we can indeed hone in on that while still continuing to find and produce kind of good other content from elsewhere. You know.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, that's, that's very interesting. Um, and and I I find it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm your comic book comic book seems like an interesting thing because it's it doesn't take a huge amount of effort to make. <laughs> yes. Yes. What are your thoughts on uh, on, on, uh, on the price of Hollywood <laughs> <The> <laughs> budgets? <laughs> in
1: general, you mean? Oh, dear God. Yeah.
0: Yeah, seriously, right?
1: Um, I mean, we've seen that very unfortunate kind of winnowing away of the kind of middle tier movie for the last 10, 12 years, right? It's like right. the forty if you million. produce right? a movie for $20 million and under, you're probably in good shape or you're producing for 80 100 million 100 million and over and right. that you know that that kind of middle ground i think is just kind of evaporating um right which is which is difficult because i think that's where the kind of serious dramas used to operate um mm-hmm. or, you know slightly more kind of adult fare used to operate um i you know it's for the high it, i mean i was around so i moved to hollywood in 1997 right and okay. there was this huge thing then, you know, James Cameron had just made the most expensive movie for the second time because right. True Lies, I think, had cracked like $120 million and that right. was and then Titanic, yeah. And right. then he'd just done Titanic, which had just clipped like the $200 million production mark, as yep. I recall. And that was just this, you know, shocking And he's done number. it
0: again. <laughs> and he's done it again.
1: Dear God, uh, and and yet the top three highest grossing of six highest grossing. I mean, it's insane. He, the, yeah. he whatever he's doing, he knows the he knows how to get people to the movies. Um, yeah, you know, I got to give him props. Uh, but so I think that it it's and I think with what you were talking about earlier, with the obviously the kind of explosion of streaming and everyone frantically trying to outdo each other by producing more content and spending more money to get more eyeballs onto your streaming platform, um, which was equated to, well, I'm just gonna spend more and more and more. And so you end up with Amazon and a billion dollars for Lord of the Rings with a, mm-hmm. what, a 37% completion rate or something? Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> yeah, that's not great. Um, that's not good. Yeah, that's tough. Um, and I didn't, i actually quite enjoyed the series. It certainly scratched the Lord of the Rings edge for me. Um, but, you know, um, you know, it, it, there. As the streaming services are going to kind of retrench, I think that those that money is going to come down. But I suspect it's going to end up getting focused on more bigger projects, which again means everyone at the small, kind of smaller scale, smaller end of things is going to get squeezed. I think we've seen the you know the idea of the Matrix would never be greenlit today um, because it's just right. this kind of ethereal, crazy concept, and no one's going to take a two hundred million dollar plus swing on something that's an unknown property um we certainly see comics as a way of you know establishing ideas and building a world in without the constraints of budget because it you know it it costs the same amount to draw a draw a scene with the two of us talking with a kitchen and a blank wall as right. it does to put you kind of moonwalking on a side of a spaceship as it were floating in the rings of Saturn like sure. that doesn't make any difference at all so you right. can I think tell you can I, for for people I think especially in Hollywood who are used to kind of Hollywood budgets and I've spoken to a number of writers who have who were kind of intrigued by this idea is you know those people that are used to the constraints of the studio system actually being weirdly freed by writing in a medium like like comics um is there's is a learning curve but it can be quite liberating at the same time
0: what i'm 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 sure you probably figured i was going to go this way but what are your thoughts on that getting even that barrier to entry being even lower now with ai tools being invented Oof. <laughs> that is going to be i mean ai
1: yes uh I think it's gonna have a shocking effect on certain parts of the industry. I'm sure you're seeing it already hitting mm-hmm. i think i'm i, I w- if I was a concept artist right now, I would be feeling quite nervous um unless I was you know, super high tier. um what we have seen at least in the comic space now uh is there's no consistency to the art. So it's, you can produce great looking stuff, but what it cannot do is produce the same character over and over again in these different poses In what, in how you would need to tell a story. Um, and now if you're doing storyboards or something, potentially, uh, you know, there, that's going to be much easier because you don't need that visual consistency. Um, although for me, certainly and I'm sure you see this as well. It's, sitting there's nothing nothing beats sitting in the room with a storyboard artist talking through the shots of a scene and so i think no matter how good people are that i don't think is going to go away anytime soon um even if you can do it by yourself digitally um but i'm 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 definitely concerned for for chunks of the kind of the yeah the concept the concept and the previous world to some degree i think that is going to get interesting and i think you know increasingly we're seeing voice if you've seen some of these voice ai tools as well um, where you can mimic i mean i listened to a the pod you know seth godin the the the, the author right he mm-hmm. had a podcast the other day that we listened to and my partner and i my partner sent it to me and i listened to it and it was great podcast totally him totally. and at the end of the podcast he so he said, thank you. And then he came on and said, just so you know, that entire thing was written by AI and I programmed a bot to mimic my voice. And so you've just listened to, that was not me. That was totally I. And right. that, I mean, that's going to get, you know, the, the impact of that on voice actors could be really interesting. I mean, I think, mm-hmm. again, you're not going to, you know, you want this person's performance. You want Seth Rogen's performance on something you sure. can't capture that. Even if you get the voice right, you're not going to get the the performance out of it. And so I think that's again, there's a level of people that are going to be secure, but yeah, I'd be worried at a kind of you know budget level. Right? Those tools are going to get used more and more, and I think it going to could be could be damaging and concern me. Yeah. Do you see uh, that as well? Have you seen? You know, I, yeah, absolutely. I have been having your,
0: this conversation yeah. daily, like hourly <laughs> constantly because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if you guys, know, like, I work for a company called chaos. Yeah. Uh, we make, uh, uh, we make uh, uh software specifically used for virtual effects. Right. right yes. And so uh, uh, this podcast was a, a random idea I had and somehow con- blossomed and it's going for almost nine years. So <laughs> if, if I'm not going to stop it, no. but, but, uh, but specifically the, the way that, uh, 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 these tools are, are working, um, there is, there is concern about that. Uh, and it is, it is either people are like, wow, another, you know, arrow in my quibble that yeah. I can use, or <laughs> some people are like, screw you, you're stealing all of my work and I can't believe my job is going away. Right. Yeah. Right. So there's a lot of that that's happening as of well. Of course. Now, what is right, an arrow
1: in the quiver or an arrow in my heart right it's yeah, exactly sort of that's a perfect
0: <laughs> yeah. way of putting it uh yeah, uh, now, the other one that's interesting is is the copyright issues now remember specifically comic book a comic book was denied copyright because it used AI for its creation. What are your thoughts about that
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes uh,
0: the AI copyright issue
1: is I think this is where hopefully we this is where I do think, you know, true artists will, true artists, sorry, original traditional artists. artists, traditional artists will uh, continue to prosper is that AI right now can create amazing, well, it can it can source enough information to create the impression of something new and original, right? Um,
0: it is not actually creating anything
1: Brand new. It's 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 aggregating information and creating this thing.
0: But I mean, um, in a lot of ways, people could say that almost all art is derivative,
1: and all art. Is, <laughs> and I think that's that absolutely can become. I mean, you don't. You know, if you're looking for inspiration, you can be scrolling through Deviant Art and finding interesting sure. stuff, or any of those things. Um, you know, we've seen now. I, it's funny because I had forgotten that that case. It's it's going to be very going to be very interesting to see how if it is if I guess it'll come down to if 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 i create a a, a comic whatever based on ai art mm-hmm. and you can demonstrably show these elements that i have the ai went and found were taken from your art that you created that right. then I would be in breach of your copyright at that point. Sure. Right. Um but if you can't demonstrably prove that, I suspect it's going to end up I mean I suspect copyright in that way gets very tricky. I mean music obviously dealt deals with this with sampling to a degree, you know, you can okay. you can choose, you, know, you can use so many moments, so many seconds of this, but if you go beyond this, then you have to license the thing. I mean, you know, um, I don't have a good answer for that.
0: It's going to be, yeah. But how does, how does copyright work for, or copyright or copyright equivalent work for Macroverse? Does it, is it sort of like the NFT is your copyright <laughs> because it's a smart contract? Yes. So with the material that we are producing, absolutely.
1: Yeah. So, your copyright is attached to you know your your slot on the blockchain becomes your proof of ownership becomes your proof of origination and right. so you know when we decide we're going to publish something that you've created we will still sign a license agreement with you for that thing and if mm-hmm. we breach that agreement and we take off and do something else with it it's it's traceable on the blockchain back to you so right. we can't yeah we still we we cannot kind of fudge those numbers in the same way okay. um, as we could if it was just, you know, I mean, if you want to play that game, I suspect you will always find a way around that stuff. But I think blockchain, sure. the traceability on the blockchain makes it makes it far harder to do that, far harder to pull the wool over creative eyes.
0: Okay. Now let's say someone pitched a really great idea to you, and then you find out later that it was a lot of it was created using AI, including the script was was helped was assisted with AI, and the drawings were assisted done through AI. And then the the story itself is really cool. Yeah. How would that affect what you guys think about that in terms of microverse? Is that a platform that, that 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 someone could say, hey, you know what? I have a really good idea. I just used a lot of AI tools to make this happen. I think. I mean
1: ultimately it's it's a very good question it's we haven't spoken about this specifically internally but we're we're kind of around the periphery of it constantly of course um you know it's to, you know I think to me it would come down to well if it is if the story is compelling enough if the art is good enough and it's not directly in con you know and it's not it's not, Breaching copyright, you know, as we do our due diligence on, on sure. series to produce, and Good. we cannot turn up. Great, this story was stolen from X and Y and Z. This is an original story that has now been used. Um, to me, again, I think it, it potentially comes down to the create. You know, we would we don't think twice about using Photoshop tools. We don't think twice about using yep. Elements package in you and know, in, in in animation, we don't. You know, these are all tools that other people. Create that we as creators can then use to enhance our own work. Yep. Um, you know, it's it's. I won't pretend that it's not a gray area, but I also think ultimately it's going to become. Yeah, ultimately, I think it's it's. It, I think it becomes another. It becomes another tool. It becomes another arrow in the quiver, as you were saying. Yeah, um, and I don't think it's something that we would necessarily uh, uh, walk away from just because it was AI-generated. Um, and we would consider that on a kind of case-by-case basis because we sure sure, 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 <laughs> sure.
0: Well, I think it's what's, well, I find it fascinating. I mean, one of the, I mean, I go, I try to stay as neutral as possible on the subject of AI, but I have to, I'm constantly paying attention to it. But I will say, you know, I do absolutely hear the concerns of people. It's like, hey, you of know, course. they scraped ArtStation, station and that's yeah. BS, you know, yeah. or whatever they want to feel. And it's like, at the same time, they put stuff on the internet, <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I understand the problem that's going on. But, uh, oh, yeah. but at the same time, what, what I've noticed is, the huge interest in art yes. <laughs> has happened. Yes. And not only, that's the first thing. And the second thing is people have really crazy ideas. Yes. And isn't that wonderful? <laughs> yes.
1: Yes. You're absolutely right. It's funny because I think there has been one of the, right, yeah, yeah it's been one of the positives of the, of the interest in NFTs has been you know art used to be the kind of exclusive low domain of the mega rich it was like oh you knew you were super wealthy when you
0: started collecting art
1: right like right. that was one of the barometers of it sure. and we're now, usually trying
0: to dodge some taxes <laughs> or, or exactly I mean,
1: I'm gonna have my corporation buy this uh, monet yeah. yes yeah. exactly um ex- ex- still super rich <laughs> but hey um you know and I think you're right it's like that's the interesting that has been NFTs, I think, have made it accessible to a, an array of people who would mm-hmm. not normally be interested. And I think, you know, you're already looking at kind of generative art to a degree, you're having people writing programs to create, it, it, you know, variations on ideas, on concepts. So at what point does a generative art project become an AI project? Or are the tools, the you know, I think it, it becomes the Venn diagrams in those, those, those spheres. Sorry, not those spheres, those Venn diagrams of those different art. Kind of areas mm-hmm. of the art world, I think overlap quite strongly, um, and yeah, I think it has been a positive that people are excited about about art and collecting it and and digital art up on the walls. I'm kind of seeing more and more, and it's yeah, it's exciting.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, well, listen, I wanna I wanna get people excited about some of the great stuff that are it's on Macroverse. So please tell us some of the great projects you have on there, what people can see, and and what what are, what are some of the some of your favorites that are oh. out there.
1: Thank you. Oh, it's great. Um, so we have a series right now that we've released that's the kind of new series on the app called uh, Darkland. Um, it's by a producer called Evan, Evan Shapiro. He was one of the creators of uh, Portlandia back in the day, been around yeah. the industry for a while. Um, he, uh, it's great. It's kind of, it's a black comedy, very black comedy, kind of Game of Thrones, but set in hell. Uh, okay. So it's this kind of power players and Michael and Satan kind of wrangling for the future of mankind. Um very twisted, very dark, very funny. If you have a twisted dark sense of humor, um, sure. you know, uh, it's going to upset a lot of people, it is upsetting quite a lot of people, which is great. Um, so Darkland is we're releasing on the app right now, uh, and then we'll be releasing kind of a collect edition of that coming soon. Um, we have our original series Dead Town, which is kind of hardcore, uh, this film noir, zombie horror. Um, if mm-hmm. you know, that's if, very directly inspired by kind of Touch of Evil as a visual touch point. Um, very oh, wow. rich, beautiful. Like we designed it to look like classic film noir. Um, and it's this private detective plying his trade, but in this post-apocalyptic world. Um, so that's very cool. Um, very pleased. That is one that we write as well. Uh, so I have to, to talk about that. Another <laughs> beautiful one called Remind, um, which is, it's actually by an artist called Jason Brewbaker, And it's this He's got this kind of beautiful Miyazaki-esque kind of illustrative style, um, and it's this very lyrical story about a girl kind of see, looking for her father and, and trying to kind of connect with her father's crazy mission that he he disappeared pursuing, and turns out that he was right. She thought he was crazy all along, and and it turns out he's right, and now she gets embroiled in the same adventure. So it's very Miyazaki-esque, and but just lovely. Um, total counterpoint to the first couple. Thanks.
0: Right.
1: Um, uh, the series called Hex Eleven, which is great. That'll be another one that we release as NFTs. Um, that's this kind of it's a, a world where magic is you can be buyable, so it's like magic as tech. So you can buy magical enhancements for yourself. Um, there are natural magic wielders, and then you've got this kind of Blade Runner esque enhancements that you can add to yourself, and the conflict between the natural magic users and the corporations that want to control the magic and the blah, blah blah so very fantastical um and then yeah this Bushido series we've got coming out as well sci-fi samurai um that's going to be out very soon it's this yeah science fiction world set on a you know planet lot far far away um with a group of uh a group of these warriors protecting a planet from their from their own uh from their own kind of originator you know their own origins basically their own past coming back to haunt them and uh, they now have to defend their new world from the old one. Um,
0: those one all sound so amazing. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah, thank you so much for 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 sharing those things. And, you know, obviously, uh, is it just a Macroverse app? You can find that on? on uh, Yes, uh, Macroverse on the- Next
1: Gen Comics on, on everything. And then Macroverse okay. HQ on Twitter and everywhere, basically. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, yes.
0: Okay, awesome. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. Well, listen, uh, Hamo, thank you so much for your time on this. Uh, love to hear your thoughts on it. Very excited. I mean, how long has this been going? Like, it's like three years? Three years
1: now. Yes, yeah. so we launched the kind of Web two version of the app, and then we ran into you know collectability and digital comics. Like, wait, hang on a second. Let's this this makes sense. So we've been kind of refocusing for the last eighteen months around that. So yeah, okay, um, wonderful. Exciting, and it sounds like
0: the the, the traditional Web two version has been working okay for you as well. right? <laughs> working has been great. The, the
1: traditional version has been great. So, no, and it's, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's, we, we're, we're very happy with it. We love it. And it's, uh, we're just kind of, you know, really now with this new launch of stuff coming, we're, we're uh, excited for the next step. It's going to be cool.
0: Oh, perfect. You know, well, thanks so much, Adam. I appreciate thank it. Thank you so
1: much, Chris. It's such a pleasure. No, it's a great chat. I really appreciate you having me on.